invite you to take your scriptures back and turn back to John's Gospel, chapter 20, the passage we read earlier. This Easter weekend is, without saying, obviously different than any Easter weekend that we have ever experienced in our lives. Our country is in a state of national lockdown. Um, Just a few days ago when I wrote down these statistics, uh, three-fourths plus of all Americans are on lockdown. 32 or more states uh, are included in that, which means about 250 million people in our country. We have just passed China and more cases of fatalities as the number one leading nation. So many, literally millions of people, obviously not just here but around the world, are quarantined out of the fear of the virus. And many people are staying home um, under physical lockdown out of basically fear for their lives. But believe it or not, we are not the first ones to endure an Easter lockdown out of fear. Our passage mentions that this was the very case on the very first Easter weekend. It was, of course, not a lockdown sanctioned by the Roman government at the time, and it certainly wasn't about a virus. It was a self-lockdown. The disciples in our text are out of fear uh, behind locked doors, Um, out of fear not for a virus, but out of fear for violence that might uh, be given to them or happen to them because of what had taken place to their Lord, by, on their Lord by the religious leaders. And verse 19 says, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Any time the New Testament uses the word locked, it always means securely locked. In other words, you can't get out, you can't get in. I mean, you could get out, but you can't get in. And it, it means just what it says. I mean, they were bolted down the doors. Uh, they weren't taking any chances And the reason was, or what was behind it, was the fear of the Jews. The phrase, the fear of the Jews, three times in John's Gospel. Every time, it refers to the religious leaders. And the disciples had self-quarantined, if I can say for themselves. They had locked themselves down because they were afraid that the religious leaders, if they found them, would do to them what they had done to Jesus. Normally... As we would read this text, we would understand the level of their fearfulness and their response to their circumstances to be acceptable. But there's another statement in verse 19 of John 20 that should have changed everything. And it seems almost innocuous, but it's actually powerful. And it reads, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, or literally the first day after the Sabbath, it was resurrection Sunday and and the ironic thing about them being in lockdown was that it was actually the greatest day in all of history I mean it was the day of the greatest victory that had ever been achieved all time it should have been for them and for the world the greatest day of joy and gladness and worship but where do we find the followers of Jesus, we we find them on lockdown. And, And what are they doing? They are fearing for their lives. You see, they're facing their greatest fear ever without the greatest truth 
ever. They were living in fear for their lives on the very day that Jesus had conquered death. You see, in John chapter 20, he gives us three vignettes of appearances of Jesus to different people. And at this point in our text, he'd only appeared to Mary Magdalene, who had tried to repeat the story that Jesus was alive to the disciples. But at that point, they still hadn't God. They didn't understand it. And because of their ignorance of this most vital reality, it was causing them to have a meltdown in their lockdown. And as I read the text this week, I I couldn't help but think, if they only knew. If they only believed. You see, in just a few moments, in verse 19, Jesus is going to walk through the door. And I mean literally walk through the door. Not an open door, but a closed door. And he is going to demonstrate to his disciples that he is alive. And it will finally dawn on them in full clarity about who he is and what he's done. But right now, they fear without that truth. Think about it. How many millions of people right now today and every single day of their lives experience that same thing? I call it spiritual lockdown. See, there are a lot of people, millions of people, and unfortunately even some of God's people, perhaps, They're facing the fear of COVID-19 and that fear is controlling their lives and they're experiencing that to an unusual, if not, not a great, obviously, level of degree on the very day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, we ought to be facing the most powerful virus of our time with the most powerful victory of our time, of all time. But instead, too many people are facing the fear of death without the faith in the one who has conquered death. And I can't help but think again out loud, if they only knew, if they only believed. And reading this text this week in preparation for today, I've come to the conclusion that what every person needs, especially everyone in lockdown, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever, whether the lockdown is actually physical or spiritual, what everyone needs right now is the peace that only Jesus can give. And that peace, John's going to tell us, equals a clear understanding and and acceptance of the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection. So let me show you what I mean by that as I unpack these few verses together. Chapter 20 and verse 19 has a phrase in it, and it's a crucial one. It says, And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Or he would have said, Shalom Alechem. And it's more than just a typical greeting that you, meet, you, you say when you meet your friends. Because this is an unusual setting, and therefore it's an unusual greeting. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Every time in John's Gospel, and there are a few of them, that the little phrase, Jesus came, is always talking about how Jesus shows up in the lives of his disciples in the times that they need him the most. Difficult times, impossible times. I mean, times where they just don't know where to turn and they don't know what to do. It's used in John eleven seventeen when it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb already for four days. I mean, they thought Jesus should have been there. They really believed he should have been there. 
but he does come. Jesus comes to them in an impossible situation when Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus has been dead for four days. See, he comes right in the middle of their funeral, right in the middle of their pain and their sorrow and their grief. And they have nowhere else to turn. In our text, Jesus comes and stands in the midst of them, in the middle of their lockdown. He comes Again, same verb in verse 24 and 26 of our text. Jesus comes in the middle of Thomas's doubts. Eight days later, listen, you think if Jesus comes in the middle of your lockdown that seeing the risen Savior would be enough. But it says in verse 26, eight days later, they needed him to show up again. And it even says the word again, a second time. And it says they're still in lockdown. They still have the doors locked eight days later. So Jesus comes in the midst of their need, whether it's a funeral, whether it's lockdown, whether it's Thomas's doubts, whether it's the disciples' greatest fears. Can I tell you this morning? Here's a great truth. If you're a believer, he knows exactly where you are and exactly everything that you feel right now in the situation that you're in. He comes to us in our fears our doubts, our worries, our anxiety, our uncertainties of the future. And he walks through doors to give us this message. Far more than a greeting, he walks through doors to say to you and I today, peace be with you. And he wants you to know that even a lockdown cannot lock out the risen one. And Jesus has come To you, this morning, in the middle of your lockdown, in the middle of your fears and your doubts and your questions. And he comes this morning to everyone under the sound of my voice to offer you the wonderful thing that you need most, whether you realize it or not. And that is the peace that only Jesus can give. And verse 20, he lets us know what that really is. Verse 20, it's one of two. Verse 20 has this little opening phrase, and so does verse 22. And each one of these statements, introductory statements, are followed by a metaphor that Jesus does visually. The first one, verse 20, says, And when he said this, followed by the metaphor or the object lesson, so to speak, he shows them his hands. See, this is how Jesus gives peace. He gives verbal peace with his words, and he gives visible peace with his wounds. Jesus' peace comes from his wounds and his words. And his words to his disciples have been a message of peace all the way until this very point. In fact, before he ever was crucified, ever put in the grave, he was telling them ahead of time that this is exactly what they would need. And as they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray on the night that they would arrest Jesus, here's the two verses he says to them about peace. John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now, three times in these two verses, Jesus is going he's going to contrast the word peace that he gives with the world's peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. See, he says, you don't have to doubt. You don't have to be afraid because the antidote to that, the cure to that is me and the peace that I bring. Again, John 16, These things I have said to you that in me, nowhere else, but in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus wants the disciples to know that there's a real peace, what he offers, 
And there is what I call a pseudo peace, a placebo peace. It's not real. It's not lasting. It's not from Jesus. I call it a knockoff peace. You ever go to the grocery store? If you're a big cereal lover, you'll understand this. You know, there are name brand cereals. You got Captain Crunch, but they have knockoff brands. So instead of Captain Crunch, you can get Crispy Crunch. It's not Captain Crunch, if you don't know that. You can get, instead of Cocoa Pebbles, you can get Cocoa Nuggets. They have, instead of Fruit Loops, you can get Fruit Rounds. Now, you look at the box. You look at the stuff on the, it looks very similar. They even mimic kind of the picture of Captain Crunch on the front of it and the cereal and what it looks like. But when you open it up, it tastes kind of like it. It's not as good. It's not as good. It's not the real thing. And they even took the greatest soda of all time, Mountain Dew, and they have one called Mountain Shouten. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Don't buy it. It's a knockoff. It isn't real. It's not real. Listen, here's what the world offers. It offers peace. But it's not Jesus' peace. See, world peace, in contrast, tries to give you peace this way. It changes what's on the outside, thinking that that'll change you on the inside. But it's only temporary, and it's never lasting. Let me give you an example. There are some people who say this this morning. They would say this, Pastor Walker, in my marriage, if I could just get my negligent uncaring spouse to actually love me the right way that I need to be loved, then I would really be able to have some peace. There are people and families right now, parents this morning, maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, but you're saying it in your heart, if I could only have my rebellious teenager get their act together, man, my life would be so much, I could have so much more peace. And I, I feel, actually, with this next group of people, I mean, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Their jobs have been cut da- back the days that they work, the hours that they're able to work. And they begin to think that if I could get, just get a job, or I could get this job, or I could have a few more days or a lot more hours, and if I could get this money, and if I could just change my circumstances, if I could just change the stuff on the outside of me, man, it would make my life, so, I would have so much more peace. And even some people think that if they would come up with a cure for COVID-19, that I wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. They wouldn't have to fear death. And everything would be so much better. And so you know what? Because we're looking for a change on the outside, because we're looking for something or someone to change our external circumstances, we turn to the words of people like Oprah or Dr. Phil or some other empty or banal people as the, as the source of what we really need to find peace in our world. But can I tell you, those are empty. They're temporal at best. And they cannot truly change you or really give you the peace that your soul is looking for because world peace will never do it. But Jesus' word peace can because the peace that comes from Jesus is different. The world is from the outside in. Jesus changes people from the inside out. See, peace that comes from the words of Jesus changes you on the inside so that you'll have the ability by his spirit to respond differently to what's on the outside of you. Most people, probably a lot of people even under the sound of my voice today, think that their deadly in, deadliest enemy is something outside of them, outside of your lockdown situation, the virus, and hopefully it'll stay there. 
But what they don't realize and what the disciples had to learn, for them it wasn't the enemies of the religious leaders or the Sanhedrin outside of their locked doors that was their greatest problem. It was the virus on the inside, not the outside. That virus the Bible calls sin. Both viruses, COVID-19 and sin, they're both invisible, but they become invisible once they infect people. And can I tell you, both of them are pandemics. Both of them can affect everyone. And in sin's case, it does affect everyone. Dr. Michael Osterholm in 2017, almost prophetically, honestly, wrote a book called The Deadliest Enemy. He is a world-renowned epidemiologist, and that's a big word that means he is an expert on infectious diseases. He writes in his book, and I quote this, Infectious disease is the deadliest enemy faced by all humankind. Knowing this... We could try to scare you out of your wits. But instead, he says, the truth and reality should prove sufficiently to scare us into our wits. He says, if you just get scared out of your wits, you're probably never going to learn anything or be better off for it. But if you get scared into your wits, you can see what the proper solution to this deadliest enemy would be. Can I tell you something, spiritually speaking? Jesus knew something as the great physician that Dr. Osterholm doesn't know, and that it's not infectious disease that is the deadliest enemy of all humankind. It is infectious depravity. Jesus tells the disciples when he comes in the room through the door and he says these words, peace be to you. Peace is not somewhere out there in changed circumstances. It's in your lockdown when I'm in here. That's where peace comes from. It's not getting rid of dangerous religious leaders. Peace does not come from getting rid of COVID-19, although we, I hope they do and we get that. But real peace, because the real problem is different, only comes through Jesus. Because the deadliest enemy is not outside of us, it is inside of us. And Jesus says peace to the disciples because he wants them and he wants us to know that he has taken care of it. You don't have to fear COVID-19 if you know Jesus has forgiven your sins. See, So he says... In contrast to world peace, let me give you my word peace, verbally. Peace be with you. But, but he does more than that. He, he gives visible peace. He says, listen to what I say, but look what I have done. And then he does this. He gives them an object. So he says, look at my... He doesn't say it, he just does it. And he shows them. And the word means to be put on display. Jesus says, and here's the proof that you can believe every word I've ever said to you. Because look, see my... My, my Bible, the Bible says, see my hands and my side. It's proof that the grave couldn't hold me, that the cross wasn't the end. Fear of death and hell can scare us out of our wits. And Jesus says, look at my hands and my side and my feet. He says, let me scare you into your wits so that you understand the cure is in me. He told his disciples one time in Matthew 10, 28, don't fear those, no, don't, don't fear those who can kill the body only. See, the greatest fear is not COVID-19. He says, but fear the, him who can kill 
and throw both body and soul into hell. Jesus says, let me scare you into your wits. Trust me. I have taken care of the most deadly enemy you'll ever have, infectious depravity, and fear and hell and death don't have to make you afraid anymore. Why? Because if you repent of your sins, if you put your faith and trust that what Jesus did when he died on the cross and rose again was payment for your sins, if you would be willing by his grace to surrender and submit your life in totality to his lordship, he says, my death and resurrection can be in your life as well. And perhaps... (laughs) As you look at verse 20, one of the biggest understatements ever in the Bible, the disciples were glad, (laughs) the word is rejoiced, when they saw the Lord. How in the world, can I ask, how in the world should they go from being behind locked doors, how do they go from being unbelievably controlled by fear, and just in a few moments, they are now filled with joy. I mean, that is about a bigger reversal that possibly could happen. And here's what I wrote in my notes. Nothing outside their lockdown had changed. Nothing. The religious leaders were still out there. The religious leaders were still dangerous. And they were still looking for the disciples. But what had changed, what had taken place inside the disciples. They had seen Jesus, namely his hands and his side. That no matter what they faced, because he was victorious over sin and hell and death, there wasn't anything that they could face that he couldn't handle. See, they had changed on the inside, and that completely eradicated their fear and replaced it with the most amazing joy that anyone could ever possibly experience. Wouldn't you like that to be yours? Wouldn't you like to exchange your fear today? Wouldn't you like to exchange your debt of sin for Jesus' righteousness? See, you think, wouldn't you, if you read that text, that you could almost have the story quit right there. I mean, what else do the disciples need? Jesus has come. He has offered them his peace. He has showed them his hands and his side. And now they have a confidence that they never had before. But that is not the end of the story. Jesus, a second time, and actually later on in the text, the next paragraph we're not going to cover, he even comes to them and says the same thing a third time when Thomas actually is there. But he says to them again, peace be with you. And then he adds this phrase, as the Father has sent me, Even so, I am sending you. You see, Easter is about peace. It's about having you have peace with God. Peace in your life that controls everything in your life. And that's only through Jesus Christ and his cross, death, and resurrection, thus the hands and the side. But for those of us who have received that, those of us who already have that peace, every single day of our lives, both now and for eternity. Here's what Jesus says. You can't just keep it to yourself. You see, you know what Easter is? Easter is peace be with you. And it means that Jesus' resurrection means his mission of making peace for the world is finished. Flip the coin over because you know what else it means? It means your mission of taking peace to the world has just begun. 
As the Father sent me in the same way he sent me, now I was commissioned to bring peace or make peace for the world. You have been commissioned to take peace to the world. Let me blow your mind with a statement I've been meditating on all week. Did you know this? When COVID-19 is over, whenever that is, the world will still be on spiritual lockdown. Do you realize that? When this is all over, Spiritually speaking, for those who don't know Christ, nothing will have changed. Our world without Christ needs to be freed from more than just an Easter lockdown. They need to be freed from an eternal lockdown. And the gospel says Jesus has employed all of his disciples to make that a reality. Verse 22, and I'll close with this gives us an indication how John put his letter together and why he's saying these things the way he does. The Gospel of John can be framed by two Genesis allusions. John's Gospel starts in the opening introductory verses, verses 1 through 5, with a quotation, in the beginning was the word. That's obviously uh, um, using Genesis 1-1 and how the Bible itself began. It's a creation allusion. But the Gospel of John ends with another Genesis reference in our text in verse 22. And it says, and when he had said this, remember this is the second time? When he had said this, here's the next object lesson. The first time he said it, he showed him his hands and his side. This time it says, and he breathed on them. That is a quotation or an allusion to Genesis 2-7 when God made the first man and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of living or of life. And what Jesus is saying, in fact, the word breathe in this text, it's the only time it's ever used in the New Testament. And every time in the Septuagint, which is ten times, it's quoted, it means that he blew strongly. In other words, Jesus makes this very obvious, uh, visible metaphor, and he goes, he wants them to know that when when he breathes on them, they are now part of a new creation that he is making through his cross, death, and resurrection. He has given them new life, and they have become new creatures. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And can I say to you, Christians, on Easter, this is exactly what you need to realize Because it's what our world needs the most. They need a new normal. And you know what the new normal is? Being a new creation. Having new life. And he says he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And God has breathed on us the breath of life to give us, you and I who know Jesus and follow Jesus, he has given us the power and ability to finish this mission that he has given to us. And he has granted to us, because that's what verse 23 is, he has given us the authority to proclaim the message of forgiveness. And what we say, God says, we'll bind. And when we give the message out, we offer forgiveness, God's going to honor that. And he will today to all those who will come to him by faith. Church family, can I tell you Jesus' peace is not just something you get, but it was designed to be something you give. 
And so if you have received the peace of Jesus into your life today, can I tell you as a Christian, there are still millions if not billions of people on spiritual lockdown who need the message that you have already received. Would you clearly and fully understand your commission to reach them with the peace that has been given to you? And if you're here and watching this morning in the sense that you're here on the, on the internet and you're watching or whatever screen that you're on, can I tell you this? I want to offer you the peace that Jesus offers. The gospel invitation See, if you don't have that peace and you're looking for that peace and you keep trying to find it in all these other knockoff pieces and it's not really doing it for you and say, Pastor Walker, listen, I, I need a real peace, a lasting peace, a peace between me and God, a peace that's going to really work throughout every situation in my life, both now and for eternity. See, he offers that peace. Ephesians 2, Paul wrote about it when he said, he himself is our peace. Three times in that one little paragraph, he has broken down the middle wall of partition and he has come and it says, and he has made peace and he has preached peace. And it says he did it through the blood of his cross. Can I tell you, Jesus has come today and he's come into your lockdown in your living room right where you are today. And here's the message. You can have real peace, lasting peace, eternal peace, life changing peace from the inside out if you put your faith and trust and what I did for you as God when I died in your place to take your sin on the cross. And when he rose again, he says, I've conquered the deadliest enemies that you'll ever face. Far worse than any COVID-19 could ever be. He says, I put myself on the cross to take your sin. You see, today we celebrate this day as Resurrection Day. It is the greatest day in all of history. But wouldn't it be great as well? that this would be the greatest day in your history? It can be if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Lord and Savior. Let's close in a word of prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed right there, wherever you might be, in your home, somewhere else, watching by yourself with your family, Jesus says that Easter is about a new creation. And that new creation only can happen in your life and you can know the forgiveness of sins only if you have Jesus' peace. And maybe today, to come to Jesus, you'd have to renounce world peace. World peace in the sense that I can't get it from the outside in. It has to come from the inside out through a personal relationship by faith with the Son of God who died for me and rose again. And if you are there right in your home, can I tell you, there's no magical prayer and the words aren't magical. But what is miraculous in salvation is that the Holy Spirit can regenerate you right now as you say to God, Father, I I repent of my sins. I know I can't work my way to heaven. I can't earn it. I'm not deserving of it. But right now with my head bowed, my eyes, I understand clearly, fully, for the very first time, what peace really can be and what it should be, that it's only through Jesus Christ. And Father, I want to have peace with you. I know right now I'm your enemy and deserve nothing but your just condemnation and wrath. But Jesus assuaged that when he took my place. And I believe he died and rose again for my sin. And right now I repent of my sin and I kneel to you and ask you to take my whole life 
that I might follow you and that you might cleanse me and wash me and save me by your grace and for your glory. We love, love to celebrate your greatest day in your personal history with you. If you want to call us here at the church, you could email us through our website. Let us know that this was the day, today, that you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you found out what real peace can be, and you've accepted him and your life on the throne of your heart. We love to rejoice with you, pray with you, help you in your new creation uh, faith that you put your trust in him. But perhaps you're, with your head bowed, eyes closed, you're a Christian here on Easter, and you realize you're so thankful for the peace of Jesus. But let me tell you this, have you shared that peace with others? And I know it's difficult right now, We can do it in so many other ways. But let me tell you this. Our world needs Jesus. It is the greatest need of every person in this world who still lives in their sin on spiritual lockdown. And maybe as a Christian, as you have your head bowed and eye closed, would you say to Jesus, Jesus, thank you for peace. But I don't want to keep it just to myself. That I'm going to initiate And purposely, intentionally reach out to others with the message of Jesus' peace to a world that so desperately needs him. And ask God to help you to do that faithfully with your life. Would you do that? Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the wonderful cross. The cross of Jesus. In Paul's writings, that is our peace. Jesus, thank you for your death. And resurrection for our sins. Thank you for peace. For those who who, uh, watching today have in their hearts come to the realization of who you are and what you've done. In a way they've never clearly or fully understood before. And they have prayed to accept you and for you to accept them. I pray that this change would be real. That this would be their new normal as a new creation. Father, I pray for believers here on Easter who understand the awesome, life-changing power of your peace. I pray, Father, that we might be filled also with your love, that that peace might be shared with others around us who still are in spiritual lockdown and need you. God, help us to move in that way. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close by singing that awesome song, wonderful, the wonder of the cross, the wonderful cross.